Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. All right, let's get started. Another week of the Growing in Grace podcast. My name is Joel Brzezinski, and Mike Kapler's uh, here too, as we have been doing for the past 15 plus years, the Growing in Grace podcast together. The Cap and the Breeze, man, and uh, we're doing the, uh, I don't know what you call the writer of Hebrews. Some people think it's Paul. Some people give other names who could have possibly written it. It doesn't really say, and we're not really here to debate that. That's not the point here. The point is what the book of Hebrews actually says, what it actually tells us. It doesn't really matter who wrote it because it's full of some really good uh, really good stuff that we've been getting to. We ended up with some things from chapter 7 last week, and... <laughs> We're really going to get rolling here this week, Cap. I think with with some of this uh, um, things that he hey, talks jo- about. Joel, I, I I got a conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. I ju- I just thought of this, so I, I can't say if it's by revelation or not. Um, and I say that with uh, kind of a, li- a little wink and a smile. What if it's James who wrote the book of Hebrews? <laughs> because you know the book of James is one of the oldest books in the New Testament, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was actually written early, right? And then uh, a lot of things happened. Paul came on the scene and, you know, uh, his talks about the law and grace and all of that. And uh, even even James, uh, we see in the book of Acts, had to have uh, a bit of a change of mind when it came to the Gentiles and the law. So it's possible. Is, is it not possible, Joel? <laughs> I, I told, I... James wrote this later, but he didn't want anyone to know. He stayed anonymous. It could be because, like you say, early on... And you and I, we've talked about this, not necessarily on the podcast, but it seemed like he didn't necessarily have the greatest understanding of, he didn't necessarily have the greatest understanding of, of the gospel, even 20 years in, <laughs> some of the things well, that he said. Yeah, and, and when you think about James the Epistle, he there also was writing to uh, Jewish people. Right, yeah. So And so, like you say, then Paul came along and Barnabas, they explained some things, and, you know, I know we're not necessarily being really serious here, but it's possible. <laughs> I really wasn't being that serious, but when you think about it, hey, conspiracy theories, that's what they're for. That's what they're for. So we're laying it all out there. Yeah, I'm, I think it's James. From now on, it's James. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't quote me on that. I'm going right. to try to remain new, anonymous on new that. New rule on the podcast. Um, <laughs> we, we finished uh, Hebrews chapter 7, as you said, and um, Hebrews 8, it's uh, kind of one of the shorter chapters that we're running into here. We might be able to breeze through this, Joel. And uh, <laughs> but I'm a uh, let's, let's, uh, let's take a look through this. And we, we really don't have time to backtrack on everything we said. So since we're in a series here, especially I think last week, uh, or the, maybe even the last two weeks where we were in Hebrews chapter 7, those would be good ones to get caught up on as you move forward with us. Keep that in mind. Bookmark this if you need to. And so with everything he just said in chapter 7, verse 1 of chapter 8, now, now, the main point in what has been said is this. <laughs> we have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, not that fake one on earth in the Jewish temple. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it is necessary that this high priest, Jesus, also have something to offer. 
Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer gifts according to the law, who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. He says, see that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But now Jesus, verse 6, Hebrews 8, 6, and then I turn this over to you, Joel. Now he, Jesus, the, the new high priest, has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant. There's that better word again. Uh, which has been acted, enacted upon better promises. That's our new covenant in a nutshell. Yes, everything's better about it, or as the beginning of that verse says, more excellent. So you got better, you got more excellent. I mean, everything about this covenant, everything about what Jesus did is better than the way it used to be. Somehow we've got this idea in the church. We've talked about this many times. You open up your Bible... It's the Bible, right? It's God's Word, as people say. Now, we did something on that a few weeks ago, but uh, I think we talked about that. But, you know, people think of it that way, and they think, anything that I read in the Bible, that's for me. And so Old Covenant, New Covenant, Old Testament, New Testament, it's, it's meant to be for me. Well, right here, we see mm, it's not exactly that way. The Old Covenant, something happened to it. We have a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. So do you take the one that was inferior and mix it together with the one that was superior and better and more excellent? Uh, They don't mix. And we'll read more about that. We'll find out more about that as we read on here. The point I want to make, I just really want to make this point, is that the new covenant is not old covenant part two. It's not a continuation of the Old Covenant. God didn't say, well, I'm going to have this Old Covenant that the people are going to be under. Then I'm going to add to it, and I'm going to just add some things to it that are better. The old one wasn't working quite the way I wanted it to, so I'm just going to add some stuff to it, and you just mix all that stuff together, and it'll be good. No. In fact, in verse 7 here, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. So there was fault. With that first covenant, you don't mix something that is faulty together with something that is clearly said to be more excellent and better. But why was it faulty? Because finding fault with them or finding fault with the people, the people who were under the covenant, God says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And now, so just to point out here, some people will say, well, see, this was just with Israel and Judah. Well, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, he talks about this new covenant where we are ministers of the new covenant. He's writing to people who were formerly Gentiles. So we've been brought into this new covenant too. So not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. That's the thing, finding fault with the people. The thing that happened with the law, the old covenant law, is that people did not keep it. God only found fault with them. The law wasn't given so that people would be able to live right. It was actually given so that people could see that they don't live right. God knew this from the beginning. That's why he planned this new covenant all along. 
the people found out we can't do this thing. We said we would do it. We said it would be righteousness for us, but it turned out that it wasn't righteousness for them. Uh, They failed. They fell short of it. And so this new covenant was given. For this is the covenant that I will make. And he talks about this new covenant, how I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds they will have to keep confessing forever and ever. <laughs> no, <laughs> it says I will remember no more. And so uh, I'll pass it back to you and see if there's anything in there you want to highlight or, or move on. <laughs> we can't move on, Joel. <laughs> Too much good stuff here. So let me try to highlight some of what you already highlighted. First of all, it was, with the first covenant, it wasn't the fault of the covenant itself right. that was the problem. As you said, it was with the people. The people didn't hold up their end of the covenant. And that's what makes the new so much better because it's not based upon us being in a covenant with God. It was God coming into a covenant with himself. This was between father and son. It was all based upon the finished work of the son and not upon what we do. So we can't mess this up. We can't mess up this covenant. You could under the first one, and and they did. So they needed something different. And notice, too, as you mentioned, Joel, that trying to blend Uh, at least portions of the old way, the first covenant, with the second, is just not going to work. They are not compatible with each other. As he said in verse 9, or in verse 8 and 9, I'm going to make a new covenant here, and it's not going to be like the covenant which I made with the fathers back in the day in Egypt with Moses, you know, all of that. This is going to be different than that. So if it's going to be different, you don't blend the two. You don't mix two very different covenants and say that they're both in place. That wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't work. And, of course, as as you continued on there, I I think it's also interesting in, in verse 10, I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts. Your average churchgoer out there is going to think, that uh, he's talking about like the, the Ten Commandments and a few other rules and statutes from the First Covenant, that, that those are going to be written on our hearts. But that that's not the case, because we find out through the writings of Paul and others that it's the law that actually causes sin to increase. It's the law that is the strength of sin. It's the law that brings death and condemnation. It's the law that no longer has any glory. And the list goes on here. It's the law that was weak and useless. It couldn't make anything perfect. So we don't want those laws written on our hearts, do we? We have something new going on here. Now, if he had said something like, I will put my law into their hearts and minds, but he didn't. He changed it because the law was all one package. He he used the plural here, laws. He's going to write them on our hearts, the law of faith, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus, uh, the law of liberty, law of love. And these are not commandments or laws that are contained with a condition like the old way was. It's just all very different. And of course, as we move down through the end of the chapter here, Uh, He says, and this is repeated in two chapters later, I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. (laughs) Funny thing that you said there, Joel, about confessing sins, because how can you keep confessing sins and asking God to forgive you again and again and again when he doesn't remember them anymore, number one? And number two, on, on top of that, Jesus isn't coming back to offer any more blood sacrifice. He's not repeating it like you had to do under the Jewish ceremonies. He's not doing that. It's not necessary to do that because his blood did something 
that the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do. It didn't just cover it up. It didn't just offer an atonement, but that blood took sin away. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and we're going to get more into that in the next chapter. So he made the first one obsolete. A new covenant made the first one obsolete. The change of law changed everything. Joel, I'll let you finish. Yeah, well, I think that's a good place to end for this one. Um, got through uh, Hebrews 8 here, where in that he says a new covenant. This highlights what we've just been talking about here. He has made the first obsolete. And so the first covenant with all the laws and commandments has been made obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now, remember, this was written 2,000 years ago. And at the time, at the time when Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose again, the Levites were still receiving tithes. The Levites were still doing their priestly duties. The people were still living by the law. It didn't just change automatically. Jesus and, died and on, offering sacrifice. And offering sacrifice. All of these things were still going on. So this new covenant came with the death of Jesus. Jesus died and the new covenant came into being. But yet at the same time, there were people who didn't believe. And there were people in Israel who still kept doing all this stuff. And so while it was made obsolete, it was growing old and ready to vanish away. And that took some time. And so I think that's what I get out of that. But the overall point here, like it says at the beginning of chapter 8, now this is the main point of the thing we're saying. It's all about Jesus. So we'll continue talking about how the book of Hebrews points to Jesus, getting into chapter 9 and beyond in the weeks to come right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski, heard online through various Internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.